Hey there, peeps. Welcome to Should I Just Quit My Job? I'm your host, Maricela Herrera, and I'm here to share with you the journey of self-reflection, discovery, resilience, all the things that we go through when we, for one reason or another, make a big change in our lives. Today's interview is one that made me so, so freaking happy because it's the first one I did with someone I actually worked with, or I guess more specifically, someone who was my direct report and, well, quit. <laughs> no hard feelings, though. Kirsten Penalosa is a customer experience expert, and I'm using the word expert because I know her work and I know how good she is. She's a team leader working in the tech world, and if that wasn't enough, she's also a leadership coach who just got named one of the leadership coaches to watch in 2024 by LA Weekly. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> Kirsten and I bonded not just over work, but also because we do have a few things in common in our personal lives, particularly our beliefs and a little bit of how we see the world. Someone told me years ago, you know, when we first met, they were like, oh, of course you like the tattooed have Mexican Buddhist, which, you know, now that I think about it, was completely and terribly un-PC, but I guess not fully incorrect. I don't know. Anyway, I do like her, and um, I actually really love talking to her. Kirsten has had a lot of ups and downs in her career, and we explore many of them. From her first job or first career post-college as a tour guide to her experiences being gaslighted or being bullied in the workplace. So she is incredibly candid with the experiences she went through, but most importantly, with what those made her feel and think. I think Kirsten's ability to explore, look back, and self-reflect is what really makes her great at working with people and advocating for people on the customer experience side. And honestly, it's what makes this conversation so exciting. I am very excited for you to listen to this interview. It was very close to my heart, so I hope you like it. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here with you because I always remember fondly when we worked together and uh, I have a deep admiration for you and I, I look up to you, so I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you. I, that means so much to me. And the name of the show is Should I Just Quit My Job? And I should disclose. You quit. <laughs> I was your manager. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's funny. I um, have been wanting to do these with people who I've worked with. So we're going to have a great convo. Also, your background is pretty interesting because you've done a lot of stuff. How about we start with that. Can you just introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what you do, and then we'll go into your journey. Yes, I'm, well, Kirsten, and I am originally from Mexico, but grown up in Germany. So I uh, have a, an interesting background culturally. 10 years ago, I moved to the US. And uh, I've done a lot of different stuff throughout my life. In, in Mexico, I was a tour guide leading German tourist groups through Mexico. I was pre 
uh, event project manager. Then when I came to the U.S., I needed a job. I needed a living. So the first job I got was as a customer service agent and for the spend for the German speaking market. And uh, from there, I kind of stumbled from one customer service job to another and decided eventually that customer service is going to be my career path, my official career path. So I worked in the front lines as an agent directly with clients. And then eventually I became a customer success manager. And then I started to lead people. Then I, I kind of went back and forth from individual contributor role to now being the director of three customer service teams um, at a tech company and tech has been kind of my my home for the longest time. I, I kind of want to go from the beginning because you have to deal with a lot of people. <laughs> you have to deal with a lot of people and a lot of personnel. How did you decide like, you know what, this is kind of where I want to continue my path when it is something that can be so draining? Yeah, I... I studied Mesoamerican and Latin American studies. And when I finished and I moved from Germany, where ironically I studied everything that's related to Latin and, uh, and Mesoamerica in Germany because there was no career like that in Mexico, I moved back to Mexico and I was absolutely convinced that I did not want to be a researcher. I didn't want to be an academic per se. I was really bored by just sitting in libraries and reading sources and writing and all that. So when I moved to Mexico and I'm like, okay, now what I'm going to do like with my studies, where can I fit? And I landed on tour guides. I, uh, that's where I was able to use my languages. I was able to use the knowledge that I gained through, through both career or studies like Mesoamerica, Aztecs, Mayas and all that. And then Latin American history, uh, from prehistoric, pre-Hispanic times to the, the conquista and, uh, the, the actual, uh, modern times and politics and all that stuff. So I could really use all my knowledge and transmit it in a fun way to Germans. And I mean, if you know Germans, then they're really hungry for details. They don't take uh, wishy-washy answers. They want. We were driving sometimes through Mexico, and in the tiniest village, in the middle of nowhere, they would ask me, "How many inhabitants does this village have?" And you're like, "Gosh, really? <laughs> Who knows? Nine thousand? I don't know." <laughs> but like that's that's how Germans were, and I really it resonated with me. Not only because I grew up there and I studied there, but because I I knew a lot, and I wanted people to know my country, my my home country very, very well. So that's how I landed on that. And it, it was really demanding, as you said, but it was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had. Um, not only got I tr like, did I have a chance to travel, I also was able to use my knowledge and transmit that. But seeing people leave Mexico happy and excited and saying, like, you really demystified a lot of prejudices or wrong conceptions and ideas that I had about Mexico, Latin America. But, you know, the best thing about that job, actually, was that it prepared me for leadership. When you're a tour guide and you're two weeks traveling in a bus for hours on end with one group with the same people, and then on top of that, you have breakfast with them, then you sit in a bus and you can't flee, and then you have a break in a, and you have to, to be mindful where they are so that you don't lose your little flock, and then you have to, to problem solve when they're 
interpersonal issues. You have to step up when they question you because I was relatively young. I was 26 years old when I started. And then you have all retired people. I think the youngest was maybe 40 years old back then that I was leading in a group. And so they would really question my authority and my knowledge. And so I had to really step up. And, and that alone was one of the best things that could happen to me. And it prepared me to who I am now and what I'm doing now as a director of teams. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, both the dealing with people, especially for the area you are in now, which is customer service, and then the leadership aspect. You came to the U.S. and you needed a job. And so you kind of just landed in customer service. How was that decision process? Like, how is that? Because it sounds it kind of just happened. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm a true believer that like things that are meant to happen should happen, will happen. And the universe kind of pushes you in the path that you should go. But it's still, you know, you have to be open to it and open to trying something new. Like, how did you manage that? I don't know if it's a skill set or an ability or simply a mindset. I love change. I've never been change averse, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. And so for me, changing and adapting wasn't really a, it, it was a challenge for sure. I, I was in a new country with a new work culture, a language that I, I knew, but wasn't as proficient as I would say I'm now. So everything was new, but as you said, Knowing that everything happens for a reason helps me through all of the, the changes and those moments. And back then, I I just started to look. First, we were in Virginia, my husband and I, and there was nothing. I was looking for nonprofit jobs, something that was more international. I really wanted to have something that I, allowed me to use the three languages that I speak. And in Virginia, I couldn't find anything, not even a teaching job. And so eventually we decided to move to New York. In New York, you know, you have all the startups, you have the tech sector, there's, there's just so much opportunity. So we decided to move to New York. And as I was searching, I was just search for uh, German customer service because that's what I had been doing already. Even when I was in college, I did a lot of that stuff. So it was a no-brainer for me thinking about customer service or some customer-facing job, except bartending and coffee shop. I tried that and failed miserably. So that was my only, like, never going to do that. But um, but I just found a job. Uh, I was back then a an, an e-commerce company that um, blew up really big internationally and then they imploded really fast <laughs> as well. But they were looking for German-speaking customer service people at their, their hiring process seemed very easy and forward. I, they have seemed to like me uh, during the the interviews that I uh, went to, and uh, to my surprise, and something I had never experienced before, I went to the last interview, and then pretty much two hours later, they're like, "Yeah, you're you're accepted. Here's your offer letter. You start on Monday if you accept." <laughs> okay, let me go. Wow, Virginia really quick, pack my bags, uh, <laughs> our landlord that we're leaving and move to New York. And I didn't even know where and what. Um, so that that's kind of how it started and how from there it just continued. Even when I tried moving out of the customer service field, the universe always brought me back to this. I, I do appreciate that about you, how much you're like, you know, okay, you start Monday, but let me just go and figure this out and Okay. Um, I think that 
there's an aspect to being so open to change, to uncertainty. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm in this moment and, you know, this is this podcast where shit, I'm scared. And like, I'm scared about change and I'm scared about what's going to happen. And I'm trying to be open, but I'm not necessarily sure how you can stay that open for a long period of time, especially when you were like looking in Virginia and not finding anything. Like, how did you motivate yourself? My faith definitely helped me. Uh, and I'm with faith. I don't even mean like I, I believe in God or anything. I'm uh, I'm more like le- leaning into Buddhism. But um, for me, it's more like the, the the universe. You know, I believe that there's just that quantum field, if you want to call it, that uh, allows us to manifest what what we desire, even if in the moment it doesn't appear like that. But there were moments in my life, especially in Mexico, I was a freelancer, I didn't have a fixed income, when uh, when the swine flu uh, issue was and the, the uh, tourism completely dropped, there were moments I didn't even know what to eat. I didn't know how to pay my rent. And I remember sometimes just other people may have pray to God. And I was just, universe, you know what? Help me out. I don't know what to eat tonight. Uh, just give me a sign that things are going to be okay. And I and I trust. And you know, as I said that prayer, I, I look down and I find a $20 peso bill. And, uh, and then there was a fruit stand. And I'm like, all right, do I spend it on one quesadilla and then I don't have anything or do I spend it on two kilos of peaches and then at least I have something for tomorrow too. So it was like those small things that kept showing up. And other instances, like many instances like that actually. Uh, another time I remember I uh, I had a lot of teaching gigs coming up. I was also teaching German in Mexico. And out of a sudden, all of my students canceled and everything that I had planned to pay my rent and everything was gone. And I'm like, oh, shit, right? What do I do now? And same thing. I'm like, all right. I started to look at jobs. I'm like, okay, I need an office job, nine to five. And back then I really hated the idea of nine to five jobs. And um, I wouldn't find anything or nothing that really inspired me. And it was this moment of letting go. And same thing, I'm like, universe, Buddhas, quantum view, whatever is out there, whoever's listening, whoever's there, higher self, if you want to call it, make it happen. Send me a job that fulfills me, that excites me, that I can do, that I can succeed in. And then, I don't know, two weeks later or so, someone from Germany called me, said like, hey, we need a project, event project manager for a uh social enterprise to run to run workshop business workshops at a very big insurance company international insurance company are you free are you down this is what we pay and i'm like yeah yes of course i'm down and they paid in euros so euros went a long way in mexico so i'm like who saved even before the the job at elevate network there, there was a period in my life where i was really depressed, really down. I quit my job and it was one of those moments where I quit without having anything next. And I was truly like, shit, I quit my job. Shit, I just quit my job. <laughs> and after like, and we, we had savings, so it was somewhat okay. But then eventually, I mean, New York really drains the shit out of your, your wallet if you don't have anything else lined up. And, uh, and I was looking and looking and nothing really was coming up. And then I applied for Elevate and i I love what they do. Like that's, that ins- excites me. Like 
for me to apply somewhere, eventually it needs to really inspire something in me. It, it needs to open up something. I'm like, wow, that's where I want to be. And I remember I didn't hear back. And at some point I actually forgot about it. And out of a sense, like, oh, I would like to interview you. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who are they? <laughs> oh my God, that's this place. <laughs> and then it naturally and organically happened. But I think when I look back at every single moment in my life, whether it was work-related or not work-related, it was those moments where I said, I let go of control. I completely surrender to this. And I'm just going to trust that everything is going to be fine. And not just because there is the universe or God or whatever, but because I know that I am good. Professionally speaking, right? I mean, I also want to believe in like, And that's also something that eventually I've learned to really put a, a name to it that I know that I am I'm skilled like I know I know languages I, I know how to work I have a high work ethic I I trusted in my skill set I'm like there can't be a universe in which someone like me will be not okay no matter what happens and so that that really helps me still helps me through through times when I'm like what's going to happen next what's what's coming up next and it's hard to remember those qualities about yourself, I would say. It's really hard, especially when you've gone through bad experiences at work. And I really want to go into that topic. But I want to say something else that you did not mention when you were saying your qualities. And that is, I think, one of the things that makes you and people who have this land on their feet is you are very good at learning. Like that is, I think something we don't give enough credit and I think that that's the biggest thing that we need um, when looking for something oh my goodness I am I love that you're saying it and call it out and you're right like sometimes I, I take it for granted yeah because I work at a company right now where one of the core values is keep growing and for me it's not even a value for me it's a necessity I cannot be in a place where I don't have growth and and you know it right now and uh, it's it's truly that and actually that is leading me now to be a leadership coach because I I want people to to like I want to facilitate or, or help them support them as they're going through growth and and become better better leaders or just better employees sometimes, but but yeah you're right the ability to grow the willingness to grow is becoming more and more nowadays everywhere I'm looking. It's, it's a necessity. It's a basic skill. And I actually make it part of my hiring process. That's one of the first questions. Like, are you coachable? Do you take feedback well? And are you willing to give lateral feedback, upward feedback, downward feedback? Um, if yes, great. If not, this is not the right environment. Um, that's, yeah, so you're absolutely spot on with that. You are someone that I believe, you said it now, you follow your passion, right? You want to work at something that you're passionate about. So you, that calls you to the places where you go. And I'm the same way. But then sometimes you can get very disillusioned of those places. And you might have really shitty experiences that end up maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's happened to me, blowing up your confidence. So can you talk a little bit about any instance of that nature and how do you get back to remembering like no fuck this i'm good it's hard and there were more than one moment and not with you so i hope you can uh, sleep good tonight uh, specifically here in the u.s i mean 
beforehand, honestly, since I was more of a freelancer, it wasn't really that, or I didn't run into those issues. With a nine to five job in a corporate environment or a startup environment where I've been, there have been several issues or, or traumatic experiences, some more, some others. Um, I remember two. One was I, I changed from, like, I left a job. And to be honest, most of the times I left a job was because I hit a ceiling. Uh, I wanted to grow and there were no opportunities. And so I left. And so that, that was one of the cases. I left that job. I switched to another one. Same thing, customer success, tech, tech company, startup. And I was promised a certain responsibility set. And then when I started, it didn't really happen. And that from the, from the get-go was really disappointing. But then the entire experience from there just went really downhill and it, it was bizarre and I was gaslighted when I brought it up. And after only half a year, I had anxiety attacks. I had sleepless nights. I was doubting myself. I was questioning my sanity because I'm like, did I remember the interview process wrong? And you you set out something and now, and then they, they said like, no, we never said that, like stuff like that. I was crying in the office. Like I would, it wasn't a WeWork and I would like go into those little booths and just close the door and just cry and cry. And it had never happened to me before in my entire life. So I didn't know how to deal with that. And eventually I'm like, I'm quitting. Like I cannot continue like this. I, I really was starting to get really dark thoughts about my life and my self-worth. So I quit and that was a time when I quit without having anything else lined up. So should I quit my job? <laughs> no, what? And it took me a few months to come back. And what I did during those times is I read a lot of uh, self-help books. I read The Secret. I watched those kind of movies. I followed all those Instagram accounts with inspirational quotes and positive affirmations. Honestly, I, I would say now, if it weren't for those positive affirmations that I forced myself to read every day, the moment I woke up, throughout the day and then before I, I went to bed, I don't think I would have recovered or at least that fast. And then the second instance was when I actually left Elevate and I went to to work in a nonprofit organization, fairly, fairly big. And uh, I went into that world uh, with a lot of idealism. My my father had been a political activist. He I I had grown up with that idea of I want to I want to leave the world a better place. I want to make an impact. I want to achieve big things in terms of social justice and all that. And I joined a highly dysfunctional, not just team, a highly dysfunctional organization. And I really tried to make it work, always coming back to there's more I can do. There's more I can develop myself. There's more uh, of everything. Uh, and I, I went with that for over a year and a half. And it was really that idea of I I want to change something. I want to make it. I'm. I want to make it work. I don't want to quit. And uh, it. It really. It was one of the worst work experiences of my life. It was a toxic place. I had a very nice boss, but ultimately toxic in a way that uh, they were very inefficient. They didn't. They didn't create a safe space for anyone. 
There was no accountability. There was a lot of interpersonal toxicity happening, bullying, actually. Even some or one of my direct reports was harassing her peers. She was bullying me. And she would get away with that. And so um, it shattered my self-worth. It shattered my confidence. I really thought I was, by by the time I, I finally left, I I thought I was the worst person in the world. And there were months leading up to my departure where I honestly started to even question if life is worth it. Um, like if if this is work in the U.S. and this is where I, I live because this is where my family is, where my home right now is, then what, why, like, what's the worth in this existence? And uh, it was hard coming out of that hole. Thank you for being so open and sharing that. In the first instance, you talked about it. You were having a really shitty time. You were crying in the booths. And I can imagine that because I've done that too. And then you quit. You leave. Why do you think, like, after having that experience, instead of deciding, like, I've seen this before, I've seen kind of this before, and I should just maybe go, did you actually go into, no, maybe it's, I'm going to make it work. I do that, too. I always, I'm like, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> like, having had that experience before, like, why did that not come up to your mind? I'd say the difference is because I became manager of managers. So the the first experience I was hired to become a manager and they never gave me the team that they had told me I would lead and have versus in the second instance, I already came as a, in, on a director level to, to that job. And so I thought it's my lack of leadership experience is a, I was made believe, and I believed it, that uh, I was too German, <laughs> I was too straightforward, I was too direct, uh, I didn't I didn't speak English well enough to convey the message, you know, all, all those things that like, made it a lot about my identity. And so I started to question, like, okay, what if I uh, started to learn to speak with less of an accent? What if I improved my vocabulary to bring across the message more I don't know philosophically I don't I don't know um, what if I uh, learned communication skills uh, what if I did more to adapt to my my audience my direct reports and team members so I made it all about me and who I was uh, and I didn't realize what was happening I was just doing it without realizing wait a second that is wrong in itself. Like I shouldn't be in an environment where I am forced to not be myself just because they can't handle someone with an accent. It's interesting too, because I think that the other difference, you came into a level where you would have control technically. So it, it makes sense to me coming into more of a manager of managers that you would think, oh, I can, I can influence. I can do something because I'm more in a position of control or power. But you did internalize all of these things about identity, which is, it's hard not to. It's hard not to, especially when you're hearing it and you're also seeing like, I can't make progress. It's really, really hard. Did you leave like, I I just, 
gotta go. And it was a break point. Yes. You know, I'm I'm owning it. I've learned as much like in, in my formation as a leadership coach, I've really learned to use my experience, no matter how embarrassing and, and negative they are, to my advantage and and speak about it so that I can inspire hopefully others that it's not the end of the road and something negative happens to us. So ultimately what happened there is things got really bad, especially with that one direct report that was a bully to others. I wanted to hold her accountable. However, because of her minority status within the company, which we both were, um, she essentially turned it against me. And um, and it were like accus- accusations of treating her differently because of that. So I was, uh, I w- I was given the option uh, to be put on a performance improvement plan or to exit the company. And first I, I said, well, let me think about it. Uh, let me consult with a lawyer, which I did. And uh, I said, yes, you have a case against um, a toxic work place uh, practices and maybe even like an EEOC complaint. Um, but ultimately, you know, you you shouldn't sue anything. Like either you accept the PIP and uh, and you save uh, you you buy yourself a little bit of time, or you exit and take the severance package. So I went back and I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay for a little bit. I'll take I'll take the paychecks uh, while I'll start looking for another job. But then there was a moment where I heard from other reports of mine that uh, the other person had recorded against my will some of our conversations. And I'm not even concerned about that. Uh, I, I never said anything that would be that I would be afraid of could be used against me. But the fact that someone was violating my privacy rights was was really it hit me really hard. And, and also because I just didn't trust neither the organization to protect me nor that person to do the right thing with those recordings. So essentially, I, I told them if they were going to do anything about it, and they said, nope, there's nothing they are going to do about it. And at that point, I said, well, if you cannot protect your employees' rights, then uh, I'll, I'll gladly take the severance package and I'm leaving. So I left. And um, if I look back, I should have left the month in. <laughs> I shouldn't have stayed a year and a half. Uh, there were red flags from the very beginning that I ignored. Whether I wanted to just believe that I could make it work, whether I was just like, uh, I don't know, taken away by the increase in, in my paycheck. And I'm like, wow, this is, I've never made that much money in my entire life before. Like, I want to make this work. I need this to work. I, I don't know what it was, naivety. I mean, and that's a good mission. I, when you're working towards something that you're passionate about, yeah. it's, yeah, it's hard. It is really, really hard. So I'm at the point that when, when I finally left, and that was also important to me. I wanted to leave in my terms. I knew that the PIP, they they set it up, the performance improvement plan, they set it up in such a way that I'm like, there's no way I'm going to change this. Like uh, they're setting expectations that are completely unrealistic. I know this formality already, what they're trying to do, uh, manage me out essentially, which is a common practice. And I understand that from, from an HR perspective. So I decided, okay, I, I'd rather leave in my terms. And... But honestly, at that point, I was already so done with them. 
uh, in the whole work environment. By that point, I had taken two weeks off because I was afraid I was having a heart attack. Uh, I remember going to the doctor and she said, well, I can't really check if you're going to heart attack, have a heart attack. So we would need to to call an ambulance for you to go to the emergency room and then they can do all the checks. But if you don't want to do this, then I can send you home with Prozac and just sign the waiver that you are responsible if you do have a heart attack and die. <laughs> like, and th that was the reality that I was facing towards the end. And at that point, I already knew um, there's no way I'm going to survive this job, whether because I am going to have a heart attack or because something else. Like I, I was starting to be suicidal. I don't know if this is too much information for this podcast, but this is how impactful it was on my mental health and my, my emotional well-being and my confidence level that by that point, I'm like, okay, just out of self-preservation, I need to leave this environment. And by then, it was then also that I'm good. I'm done. Like, this is not who I am. I know I know that this is not who I am. And what you're trying to make me believe is not true. And so I, I left I left in the right moment when I had already worked through a lot of the self-doubt. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I think talking about mental health is the most one one of the most important things we can do because it should be normalized. Did you grieve after? Every single time I leave a job, there's a grief grieving process. I'm not gonna let and it's it's really interesting because even if I decided to leave, it's still curious why you experience that. There are moments where I am angry. Uh, or that I was angry. I was angry at my bosses for not supporting me more or not uh, advocating more for me. And then I was like sad and then I made it about me. And then I was like, oh, I, there's a relief. Now I can look forward to the future and, you know, like decide on my destiny and myself. And, and eventually there's just this acceptance of like, this is it. With that particular job, it took me a year and a half or so to fully be over it. There was a lot of anger that I carried with me. Long into the job that I currently have, I was angry to the point I'm like, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could go to the press and tell all the nasty things that they did. And I, I, I mean, they made me sign a letter that I was not allowed to take any legal action. So I couldn't do anything like that. But there were like thoughts of like, oh, one day I'm going to bring that down, you know? But now when I look back, I I know also where my misses were. I know where I went wrong. And uh, and I, I learned, again, especially throughout the formation as a leadership coach, um, how much responsibility we have and how important it is to take ownership. Not everything is on me, but there's definitely a lot I did wrong that I wasn't realizing I was doing wrong. And so when I get to that point of reflection and introspection, I can then say, oh, okay, not condoning what happened or what they did. That's on them. But I can at least take ownership of what I could have done differently and better and take it to my next opportunity and, and show up in a better way. Show up as a better employee, but also show up as a better leader to my people. Going through this process of grief, and you say like it took you well into the job you have now to actually get over this. How did you get yourself to like be like, okay, I'm going to look for the new thing and this new thing has to be 
XYZ? Oh, very early on. Uh, as soon as I had left that that other job, I sat down with my myself, my pen and my notebook, and I'm like, okay, what is the most important thing in this new job that I want to have? And it wasn't about money. It wasn't about um, the, the space or like uh, industry, right? I knew that I was done with nonprofits. I uh, never want to go back to that space again. But um, I knew that for me, it was important that it continued to be a purpose-driven company, that they had core values, which that nonprofit surprisingly didn't have, and um, and that I wanted an environment in which authenticity and safety, psychological safety, as well as a growth culture was not just welcome, but expected. And so when I started to interview where I am right now, and I, I, I also learned to ask the right questions in the interview process, right? And that, that, that's another skill set that I, I needed to develop to understand how do I actually interview them to know if I want to work for them. So that helped me a lot to assess where I wanted to be next. And I knew that there was no way I would ever go back to work for a company that would not appreciate who I was. So when I submitted my application, actually, I remember filling out a little pre-screen pre question on, on their application. And the, the question was like, is there anything else we need to know about you? And I just, I'm like, I'm going to be freaking honest with you. I said, like, I'm a work rebel. I'm going to question every single thing we do. I'm going to question the status quo of the company. I'm going to ask a lot of uncomfortable questions. Um, I'm going to challenge us to do better when I see that there's something better that, that can be better. And I'm going to do that because I care deeply about what I do. I care about the people. I care about the company. You will have my absolute loyalty for as long as I am with, with this company. Um, but this is who I am, essentially. Maybe not those exact words, but something along those lines. And I, I even remember thinking, I don't think they will ever, like no one ever is going to respond to me. But by that point, I had already interviewed and nothing really was lining up. And I'm like, eh, what, what do I have to lose? Let's just do it. Let's I'm just going to be myself. And they hired me. And I would say, if I, if I received that, I would definitely be interested. I think I think that is how you know that a company values authenticity. Yeah. What questions did you ask to actually know that these things, like, is there psychological safety? Naming it. One of the things that I also learned, especially, again, as, as I, I moved into more leadership position, is sometimes clear is kind. That whole talking around the bush and uh, having to read between lines and decodify answers and questions, I don't have the energy for that. Just linguistically speaking, like I'm, and also my brain as, as a half German and having grown up there, it's not wired like that. I, I don't know how to read between lines. So uh, I didn't want to ask questions that would warrant an ambiguous answer. And so it was very straightforward. How do you ensure psychological safety among your your team members uh, how do you work with your team members when they express that they're burned out what do you do when the workload is unrealistic processes do you have in place for a feedback culture how do you want people to give you upward feedback when i was interviewing 
my my future boss um, I ask her that and what accountability method methods do you use right and so I I started to ask all those questions and surprisingly they were able to answer every single one of those very clearly they had already methods and processes in place for all those things so uh, yeah it was it was a really positive not just interview experience but really refreshing to see that I was potentially stepping into a very mature company which makes a difference so you're become you started the process of becoming a leadership coach and you're doing kind of your job and doing this plan on like someday kind of just going on that side or I my biggest dream and aspiration is to become a leadership coach and consultant full-time I would love to step away from the nine to five jobs that I've been having in the last 10 years and go back to my uh, kind of independent work lifestyle. And uh, I'm, I'm also writing currently a book and I have ideas for a couple more books. I would love to just explore that and, and just put out my ideas. And, you know, as the Dalai Lama said, even if you reach only one person, but you change that person's life for the better. I can I cannot wish for anything more but yeah I I hope one day I can dedicate my life to supporting others. I think you would be great as a coach. I also cannot wait to read the books. <laughs> books. Yes. <laughs> I would like to do that too. And and funny that you say that about reaching one person because that's I had a, another conversation earlier today and someone was saying that you know like maybe you you don't know who's going to listen or see it but if it, and that's kind of how I feel about this too. Um, I hope people listen, but if it helps someone not feel alone, then that's good enough. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This was beautiful. This is so, so fun. And I still miss you. And I will say this on the record you are on the bus. I always say I built, I have built a bus of people I want to work with again. You are on the bus. <laughs> Thank you. I would I would always come back and and work with you. And I was reflecting on on my experience and working in 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 our environment, and I still very highly speak of it. And I same thing after my during my grieving process and and learning process, I came to realize what I missed in terms of showing up better for the company and for you as my boss. But I realized like I, I didn't know how to express what I needed. I didn't even give the chance to being developed. And uh, now if I look back, I'm like, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have known how to do that because I love working with you. Hmm. I love working with you. And that is uh, a lot of self-awareness. I, you are the queen of self-awareness, I will say. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you again. And all all the best. Things will line up for you. Yeah. In the meantime, should I just quit my job? Yes. Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends. 